This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to episode 22 of the Before the Man's podcast. Woogity, woogity, woogity. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. This is Joe Fairless, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. This is Ike Mutabana, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey guys, Chris Clothier here, owner of MemphisInvest.com, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. Yeah, y'all like that? The new intro bumper? Y'all feeling it? I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. I'm still getting used to it. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Before the Millions BTM podcast. And this podcast is dedicated to taking your business and your investing to the next level so that you can achieve your vision of, of lifestyle design. First and foremost, how are you guys? Me, I'm splendid. This week is fantastic. The interview that you guys are, are going to listen to, superb. She's amazing. Her name is Whitney Nicely, and she's a gun co entrepreneur. She's a real estate investor, and she started, she started out, guys, she started out flipping couches. And then the natural progression, of course, is to flip dump trucks. Following flipping dump trucks, she decided to start flipping houses. And that's kind of the arena that she operates in today. Her and her husband, her mother is an entrepreneur as well. They often have friendly competitions. Her mom is a real estate investor. She's a real estate investor. And they invest in the same neighborhood sometimes, guys. So they're competitors. It's a dog-eat-dog world. No, I'm just playing. So great episode, guys. I can't wait to get into it. And I've been in Houston for the past month. And I get to Dallas. And a few entrepreneurs that I've met through this podcast online have you know, asked me, hey, are, are you going to the FinCon conference? And it's like... When is it? And they're like, now. I'm like, oh. And if you guys don't know what the FinCon, well, not FinCon conference, the FinCon Expo. If you guys don't know what the Expo is, it's literally, it's one of the coolest things, but it's literally a place where 1,500 digital content creators and personal finance and investing, they all kind of come together and partake in a, in a mixture of, you know, community events, speakers, breakout sessions, networking. It's, 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 it's fantastic. And I unfortunately did not know about it because I've been under a rock somehow. So I get here and that's what's, that's like the buzz. That's what's going on currently. So after this recording, I'm actually going to head over there and see if I can catch the tail end of day two and meet up with a couple, couple entrepreneurs that are going to be on the podcast shortly. So that's going to be fun. Also, guys, I'm implementing a new segment, small, small segment. It comes right after this. It's the tip of the week or DeRay's tip of the week segment. And in this segment, 
we're just going to be talking shop, guys. I'm just, I'm just going to try to kick you guys a couple tips that I come across or the some of the guests come across or even some of you guys come across that I think will be helpful to the community. So, you know, whether it's going to be recorded on my cell phone or not, so I, I'm not always going to be able to be in front of a mic whenever I get a tip. So, you know, whether I'm at a gym and I have an epiphany or, or I'm in my car or I'm traveling or I'm at a conference or a concert, which I go to concerts a lot and I need to stop. But wherever, I just want to kind of always be ready to give you guys a tip of the week. So here's this week's tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. Firstly, I know that we've had quite a run with the real estate guests as of late, and that hasn't been on purpose, by the way. It's just kind of how the episode's kind of laid out. But as you know, we're a community of investors, online business owners, and location-independent entrepreneurs, and our guests will reflect that. I think that it's invaluable to be able to take different pieces and strategies from each of the guests that come on this podcast, regardless of what field they're in, to implement in our business and investing lives to achieve our goals. So what I want you to take away from this week's tip of the week is try to find a way, and this is something I do with every podcast I listen to or every book I listen to or read or anything I kind of attend, anything that's kind of that's kind of a learning experience for me. I know that not all situations directly relate to what I do, but I always find a way to to make it relatable. So whether you're an investor in, in, in precious metals or you're an investor in real estate or you're an investor in oil and gas, whatever the case may be, I think that the principles that we learn on this show, they're very transferable. As long as you have an open mind when you're when you're learning, as long as you're receptive to the learning, then I think that you can apply a lot of the things that we learn on the on this show across the board. So the tip of the week is to be open-minded and soak up as much as you can and try to apply that to your life. There are many things that may seem unrelatable, but if you kind of think about what you have going on in your life, you're somehow able to apply it and learn from the situation. So that's the tip of the week. Bonus tip of the week is take out your phone, delete all your apps, every app that you're possibly able to delete, delete everything. We want to get rid of clutter, guys. We want to we want to be as efficient and as proficient as possible. So when you delete all your apps and it's time for you to use an app, that's when you download that app. So you don't download any app that you normally use or that you think you normally use until it's time to use that app. So you'll be surprised at how many apps you actually use and how many apps you actually need to keep in your phone. So just a, a good cleaning technique. It helps I don't know, get rid of clutter, uh, not only your phone and trying to find apps, but you know, also with the memory. And that also helps you be able to find things faster and be as efficient as possible and not get distracted by apps that you otherwise wouldn't use if you didn't look at them every day. So just another tip of the week, guys. And now your feature presentation. Today, I'd like to welcome Whitney nicely to the show. Hey, Whitney, how's it going? Hey, it's great. This is going to be fun. I'm super excited. I'm glad to have you on the show. If you could just take 30 seconds maybe to tell us a little bit about what you do currently and then we'll go back in the time machine. So I'm a real estate investor. I'm a broker in East Tennessee. I've been buying houses the weird way for about three years and I've got 19 houses, 19 apartments and seven chunks of land that I rent out for monthly cash flow. And since I've been doing that and having a lot of fun with it, I started teaching other people how they can do that and, you know, leave their nine to five in three years or less, which is a lot better than the retirement plan of waiting until you're 65 or older. Some people can't even retire when they're 65. But anyway, so I teach people how to go in and negotiate contracts 
on properties that most wholesalers, most agents, most other investors don't even pay attention to. I can find the gold in a little bit of dirt. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And you touched on cash flow and this podcast, the premise of this podcast is to live the life that we've always wanted, especially through our business efforts and our investing efforts. And, you know, when it comes to our business efforts, the, the primary goal, I think, especially for starting out, the primary goal is cash flow. You know, you can build up your cash flow to a certain amount, then you're able to create some freedom in your life. So, Wendy, let's take it back. Let's go back. Let's talk about your younger days. Let's talk, let's talk about when you first got started, or maybe even before you got started and what made you decide to build this empire. You know, take us back to college and, and, and talk about those times and maybe your thought process and how you got to the stage. <laughs> Listen, if I could go back to college instead of wasting all that money at bars and trips and things that I did, and I had a lot of fun, but it wasn't what I needed now, 10 years later being out of college. Wow, 10 years. And so anyway, if I had that money and I would have been investing that money smarter when I was younger, and I'm 32 right now, I've been out of college for 10 years and I've been investing for like four years. So if I had 10 years backing me up, I'd be 20 or 30 or 50,000 a month easy right now. Instead of having 19 houses, maybe I'd have a hundred houses or a hundred apartments or it would just be so, so much better. But I grew up as a real estate investor's kid. Like I knew that money was coming in the mailbox every single month. My mom bought houses, her dad bought houses and my whole family we're a trucking family. My great grandfather started trucking in 1939. So when I graduated college, I went to work for the family company and I flipped furniture on Craigslist. And then I started flipping dump trucks at auctions across the Southeast. And then I started flipping houses. So it was definitely a gradual learning curve for me. And I mean, I flipped furniture for a long time and that stuff is heavy. <laughs> But that's how I learned how to negotiate. That's how I learned how to talk to people. That's how I learned how to advertise. And all of that, all those baby steps that I didn't see putting me where I wanted to be, ended up putting me where I wanted to be. Does that make sense? Definitely. And, you know, at, at the time I was flipping furniture for a couple extra thousand dollars a month. And then I started flipping dump trucks and I could make $500 a dump truck, which is a lot better than $50 a couch. And... Then I got to where I figured out I could make maybe ten or 15000 flipping houses. So I really went from a couple hundred, fifty bucks, whatever, to ten or fifteen flipping houses. And I always saw the money, but you're absolutely right. It's the cash flow that you need. It's not about flipping houses because the tax hits on that are amazing. <laughs> and you have to keep hustling. So what I figured is that if I could buy a house and rent it and make $300 a month on top of the mortgage payment, which I buy them with lease options, so I don't really have the mortgage, but I have a payment due. If I can make $300 per house and do one house a year, after two years, I think I'd be at 7,200 bucks a month, which is, I mean, $300 at a time after two years to 7,200, that would replace a lot of people's income. Definitely. And if you kept doing it for three years, you'd break 10,000. You'd break six figures a year after three years on passive income at just 300 bucks a pop. That doesn't even include option fees to move in. That doesn't include back end paydays. That's just $300 solid and steady every single month. 
That's amazing. So what prompted you, Whitney, what prompted you not to use your degree? Or did you use your degree? I have a degree in communication studies and a minor in women's studies. So I talked to a lot of women. (laughs) (laughs) I learned how to talk to women. That's what I use my degree for. And so I kind of use it, but not really. I didn't have like a business degree or a real estate degree or anything like that. I'm just a real estate nerd. (laughs) (laughs) But my mom has been always getting these checks every month. And during the recession, she was getting checks every single month. And that's really what helped float our dump truck company during the recession was the investments that my mom and Papa had made in real estate prior to, I mean, for like the last 50 years. And that's, that's really what floated it. So I asked my mom one day, I was like, why don't I get any checks in the mail? And she was like, well, duh, you have to buy something first. You have to get invested to get money in return. And I laugh because this would have been a great place for my mom is, I love her. She's awesome, but she's self-taught. She doesn't know who Robert Kiyosaki is. She doesn't understand the cash flow quadrant. She just puts money out there. And whenever the money comes back, that's fine. Like she's just an old and slow, steady investor. And she doesn't have any formulas or any strategies. She told me one day and she was like, I was watching your video and you said something about a comp. What is that? Okay. So like my mom, the day that I said, why don't I have any money coming in? She could have very easily sat me down and had a long conversation and drawn out a bunch of facts and figures, but she didn't. She just very bluntly said, go figure it out. Go buy something. Just (laughs) drop me out there. So that's the kind of mom that I have. She's awesome. And so that's when you got into yeah. the furniture. Yeah. So you started flipping couches and how were you sourcing these couches? You know, what was going on at the time? Garage sales, estate auctions, Craigslist. I'd buy it on Craigslist. I would go to auctions or Craigslist or yard sales, estate sales, and I would buy a bunch of stuff, call my dad or my brother, tell them where I was and what to come pick up. They'd pick it up. We'd bring it to my house and I'd put it out and decorate my house and then take pictures and put it up on Craigslist and be like, hey, I'm going to upgrade my couch. I'm going to upgrade this dresser. Somebody want to come buy it? So they, they were buying what they thought was mine, yeah. not just something I had in the basement, not just something I picked up, but something that I'd like, I'd decorate it a little bit and make it look like I was really using it. And I would, I would use it. They'd show up, I'd have to get my stuff out of it and they'd take it home. So was this your full-time gig or did you still have a, a job I was on? working at the trucking company. I had four jobs and I was flipping couches. Then I started flipping trucks. My mom has four different trucking companies and I worked for all four of them in different capacities. So what do you have to say to the people who say that time is an excuse and they don't have enough time? (laughs) I canceled cable at my house because it was full of negativity and crap that wasn't making me any money. And I was, you know, setting my calendar by being home at eight on a Tuesday so I could watch The Bachelor. (laughs) what a waste of time you have plenty of time it's your priorities exactly and if I wanted these $300 a month per property I need to figure out another way besides going to the MLS and buying and paying an agent and coming up with money I tried that I bought two houses one at an auction one for sale by owner and I bought a piece of property at auction two pieces of property at auction So I blew through my life savings and then I found another house that I wanted. I had two pieces of property and a house. I found another house that I wanted and I didn't have any money, like no money. So I called my brother and I was like, Hey, let's be partners. Let's buy houses. Let's rent some houses. I need your life savings. (laughs) And he was like, can I say no? I was like, no, just give it to me. (laughs) 
So that's, that's how I got my second house. But then we were both broke, like eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner with mom. No money, no trips, no nothing. And the local RIA in Knoxville, the Real Estate Investors Association, they were having a special presentation on lease options. And the president came up to me and he was like, Whitney, I think you need to go to this meeting. And I was like, nah, dude, like I don't have any money to spend on any more education. I know as much as I need to know about real estate, I'm going to put my money into stuff as soon as I can get some money back. And then I'm just going to keep rolling it. And he was like, well, how long is it going to take to get your money back? And I was like, there's a way you can tell that. (laughs) And he was like, you have to come to this meeting. I was like, well, I don't have $75 to come to the meeting. He said, listen, if you will come to this and if you don't learn anything, I'll give you your $75 back. And I was like, all right, old man, I can do that. <laughs> so I went and within 15 minutes, the guy that was presenting just kind of blew my mind <laughs> and the money and the ease and the confidence and everything he had was what I wanted. And he just casually mentioned that he learned how to do this from Ron LeGrand. So seriously, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes at this point into this guy's presentation that I paid $75 that I didn't have to go to. I'm online looking up Ron LeGrand and I pledged $3,000 on my credit card that night within 20 minutes because this guy knew something that I had no idea about and nobody that I knew knew anything about. And I had to figure it out and learn it. And like three weeks later, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, learning about owner financing and lease options. Like it was a really quick fall once I got going, but I haven't looked back. I made 15,000 on my first deal and did 14 deals in nine months. And it's been total life changer. That's Total amazing. life changer. That's amazing. So that, that very first payment, that $75, you looked at that as an expense. You're like, how am I going to do this? Afford I afford it. I can't afford it. But when it came to the knowledge that you were receiving from that and it was time to pay $3,000, you switched your mindset and you started looking at that as an investment. And I think that, that that's amazing. I didn't so, even question it. I didn't even like worry about how I was going to get this 3000 back. Whatever it was, I saw the numbers on the screen and there was commas in there. And I was in, I mean, this dude was making more on one little dinky deal than I was in a whole year. Wow. Wow. That's whatever, you know, whoever taught you I'm going. That's spectacular. So let's talk about real estate for a little bit. Now our audience is our real estate investors. They're online entrepreneurs, they're business owners, but let's speak to the, to the real estate investors or the potential real estate investors. Now, a lot of people have this common misconception that you need money to get started. My last guest, he's just like, you know, if you don't have 20K, 50K in the bank, I can't help you. And, you know, that's his methodology. And I, and I fully support it. And I kind of told him, I was like, hey, my, I want to be able to help people who don't have money. Like, you know, there are so many things. Like you said, there are lease options. There, One of the methods I use, there's house hacking. There's so many other things. You know, let's talk about some of the creative financing that you do to help people debunk the myth of, oh, I need money to get started. I start with lease options, which is a really fancy rental agreement with the opportunity to buy a house at a certain time frame at a price we agree upon today, right? It's a really fancy rental agreement that gives you the right to buy the property. You get first right of refusal for the next five or 10 years. It's not any more complicated than that. And when you can make it really simple and people go, oh, okay, yeah, that does kind of make sense then you get a lot further, especially with your sellers. And I'm in East Tennessee and Tennessee isn't exactly known for being the brightest bulb on the country state list. We don't have any Ivy schools or anything fancy like that. Like we're just regular people. And if I can get 50 something regular people to understand what a lease option is and go with me on it, you got to be able to do this anywhere. 
yeah. because people are the same anywhere. But anyway, to get started, that first deal that I did that I made 15000 on, I had $10 invested in it. Wow. $10. And then I got to where I thought I'd be fancy and put $100 into the deal. It doesn't matter. 10 or $100 is the same vested interest in the property. And it doesn't matter. And people always forget that they don't need that 10 or 100 right now. Because if you're in a regular real estate transaction and you have to put earnest money down, it's a fill in the blank. When will you put your earnest money down? It doesn't have to be in five days. It doesn't have to be in 10 days. It could be in 90 days. I could technically give my $10 or $100 anytime in the next 90 days. Yeah. It doesn't have to be right now. Or I could give them $1,000 in the next 90 days. Somebody gives me $15,000 to move into a house, I will definitely give my seller 1000 bucks. 2000 bucks, whatever. I got 15 grand. <laughs> it's not my money. I didn't come out of pocket with it. You know, people are always looking at their bank account and saying, Oh, well, I only have 2000. So I can't give the seller 2000 because then I don't know what I'm going to get. Well, wait until you get something and then tell them what you're going to get. Think through it a little bit. And a lot of times the sellers that I'm talking to, they just want monthly money. They just want their payments taken care of. They don't want five or 10,000. They just want you to cover their $800 a month payment so they can go on vacation again. Let's talk about that conversation. You, you said that you're skilled at the art of negotiation. So let's pretend I'm a seller and I have no idea what a lease option is. How do you convince me to go into business with you? So... Most people know people that have a mortgage on their house. You have a mortgage or know somebody that has a mortgage on their house. If that person decided they wanted to rent the house, would anybody think that was weird? Not at all. Would the bank think it was weird that they were going to rent the house even though there was a mortgage on it? Not at all. If this person decided that they wanted to sell the house, would that be weird? Not one bit. And if they decided that they wanted to rent the house to somebody who was going to be buying it in a couple years, that shouldn't be weird either because that's all we're doing is renting it until we can buy it. And when you say that to a seller, just like you're doing right now, they just nod. They go, oh, okay, yeah, cool. So you'll take over my payments when? And boom, we're on to the next part of the conversation. We're totally through the negotiation now because I brought it down. People struggle so hard. They get in a seller's kitchen and they're like talking about all these great terms and these techniques and all these things. And their seller's sitting there going, <laughs> Blank I don't want that. I want my seller going, yep, yep, yep. All right. Yeah. Hi. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Bye. I'll, yeah. I'll see you later. <laughs> And when you can get that kind of conversation and you can talk to people like regular people, because people are the same. I don't care what state you're in. I don't care what country you're in. I have people in other countries. People are the same. We have parents that are getting older and passing and we're inheriting properties. We know people who have parents that are getting older and passing or before they go in the nursing home, they want to get rid of their properties or whatever. We all have parents that are getting older. We all have kids that are getting older and they've got dance and they've got ball and they've got this and they've got that. And then we, a lot of us are entrepreneurs, investors, or we're nine to fivers and we're trying to get to that next hurdle. We're trying to climb that ladder. We're trying to break through that ceiling. We're trying to do all this other stuff. And then suddenly we've got this house problem and we have so much going on. We are so busy that this house problem becomes like, you know, the pee under the bed that's just like messing up our entire world. Like we can't get past anything because of this house problem. So when I can find people that are so 
concentrated on this one problem and I can solve it, their marriage gets better, their work gets better, their kids get happier, they start making better grades. Like I take the problem away, whatever the problem is, I take it away in regular English and they love it. Real entrepreneurs solve problems. (laughs) There's a problem in the market right now. It is a hot seller's market. People still have real estate problems that they don't want to deal with. People will make payments on an empty house just so they don't have to go over there and see what damage was done. It may be no damage. It may be a lot of damage, but they would rather just make the payment and ignore it, not upgrade their car, not go on vacation, just ignore it instead of having to go face the problem. I love the problem. Let me have it. I love it too. That's, that's amazing. And if you can solve somebody else's problem, you're going to be well off. That's amazing. So Winnie, let's talk a little bit. Let's go down your journey a little bit more, you know, so we started with the couches, then we moved on to the dump trucks, which, which I think is, is, is fascinating. And listen, dirty old men love buying dirty dump trucks from me. (laughs) (laughs) I've never even discussed this industry. Like how, how does all of that work? Like paint a picture for us. Trucking? (laughs) Trucking is a male dominated space that my mom carved her way into, but not as much as I was going to, you know, dynamite into. And then I decided that trucking isn't as mainstream as real estate. And for as much as I like talking to people, I was going to have a lot more fun in real estate than I was in trucking. So that's why I went with real estate instead of trucking. I trucked for seven years and I loved every minute of it. I loved the smell of grease and asphalt and, diesel fuel. It smells like money to me. I love it. I love to pull up behind a dump truck at a red light. Like I just love it, but I love real estate more. So what was your goal? You know, you, you moved from couches to trucking to real estate. What was the goal to build up a nest egg or was it to start building your cash flow? What was the goal? It was the cash flow. It was that my mom came from, you have to be at the office from eight to five or six to six or five to nine or, you know, whatever it took, you have to be there. You had to be in your seat. And I had a boyfriend that lived in Atlanta and I was in Knoxville. And on Fridays, I wanted to clock out at noon and head to Atlanta and start my weekend. She wanted me to be there in the seat until five on Friday, which I thought was astronomically like unrealistic. Like just what is going to go on Friday afternoon? Nothing. In Knoxville. <laughs> in Knoxville, exactly. Yeah. Nothing is going to happen. We're not starting any projects. Nobody's going to, the phone's not ringing, like nothing. And I, I realized then that I needed a way to bring my money up so that I didn't have to go work for mama anymore. And I had a great situation with mom. And she's like my best friend and my competition all in like one person because she buys houses in the same neighborhood that I buy houses. Wow. That's amazing. So we're, we're super, super close. And she has a lot of business experience that she's learned the hard way. She didn't have any formal training or anything. And she's always, she's my biggest cheerleader and she's probably the most scared person for me. (laughs) All in the same thing. (laughs) I can relate to that. My mom is the same way. She's a super gung-ho entrepreneur who started tons of businesses. And, you know, again, she's my biggest cheerleader, but she's my biggest competition. (laughs) I know, I totally get it. Like, it's the weirdest thing. And a lot of people are like, I would never work with my family. And I'm like, well, I would only work with my family. Like I don't have any partners. I read that you have a lot of partners. You're in a lot of different deals. I don't. I'm partnered with my mom, another LLC with my brother. And I have one with my husband and that's it. How did your husband feel about your real estate? Oh gosh, he was awful. He was a Debbie Downer. When I went to that first boot camp in Florida with Ron LeGrand, I called 
his name is Jason. I called him back and I was like, I'm going to be rich and we're going to buy real estate and this is going to be amazing. And he was like, actually, I think you have church camp mentality, which, you know, when you go to church camp when you're a kid and everybody's like, oh, Jesus. And then you come home and everybody's like, let's go get drunk. You know, like that. He was like, you're going to get home and it's not going to work. Nobody's going to work with you. Nobody needs anybody to help them like this. Like you've just wasted your time and your money and you need to just go back and do your job. Wow. That is word for word what he said to me. And I was like, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> so that was in December. And by October, I had done like 12 deals. I was over a hundred thousand dollars. And he again was like, I think it's all been a fluke. Like, I really don't think this is sustainable. And I think you should really focus on something else. And I was like, no, you need to go back to Georgia is what needs to happen. <laughs> and he was like, Okay. So he left and I went to an open house. I sold a house. My mom and I went on to Biltmore. We had a great weekend. I cried the whole time. And like two or three weeks later, he, he's calling and he's like, okay, we got to, we got to figure something out. This isn't working. And I was like, clearly I said, the only way I'm going to take you back is if you will get into real estate, you have to go to this boot camp with me and you have to be supportive. And he was like, okay, I'm in. So like the next week we went to a Ron the Grand boot camp. And then the following week we went to an apartment boot camp. And then the third week after that, we were under contract to buy some apartments and we've never looked back. And he's been my apartment partner. We bought those before we got married. So I've got them all structured appropriately and all that stuff, but he's come a long way. And in July of this year, he actually started working for me and helping me coach. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So really quick, how do you structure that partnership? Because that's murky waters. Your, your boyfriend or your husband you're working with. And, you know, that was before you guys got married. So there wasn't a definitive future. So how do you structure that? So it's tenants in common, just like any other partnership. We went in as two individual people and we bought a property. When we closed, it was a month after he proposed. So I knew we were going to be married, but it was important for me to get this before we were married. And, you know, just like any partnership, who's bringing what money, who's bringing what credit, who's bringing what blah, 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 who's going to do that. I mean, we structure it just the way you would structure if you, if you and I went into business, it would be the same, same thing. I'm just sleeping with him. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> so, so, so nothing should change about the way you're structuring your deal just because it's family. And that's, that, that was the major takeaway from that. Okay. So I'll be in Knoxville in about two and a half weeks and I've never been to Knoxville. <laughs> For Jake and Gino? Yes, yeah, sweet. I'm trying to go to that. Yeah. Okay. I actually have an extra ticket. So if I'm you, in. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Definitely. Okay. So sweet. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> so I talked there... to another guy, I think Reed Goosens. Okay. Yep. He's been on my show before. Yep. He's going too. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Sweet. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. So we'll, we'll have a good old time. So is there anything to do in Knoxville besides the conference? Yes. You have to go up to the Sun Sphere. They've got a bar and like little chick food. You have to go up there. We'll go to Calhoun's and get some barbecue. Yeah, let me think on that. We'll go to Market <laughs> Square. Yeah, let me let me get a whole itinerary for things to do on our breaks or evenings or whatever. But yeah, absolutely. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So we'll, we'll talk about that offline. So, you know, lifestyle design is what we're trying to encompass here. And where are you currently? And where is your husband? What's going on? We had a conversation briefly before the podcast recording. And what's going on right now? So I do conferences also. I do workshops. And I had a workshop in L.A., two weeks ago. And then we extended a three day workshop into a 10 day vacation. And while we were on vacation, I told you earlier, my husband started working for me coaching in July, but while we were on vacation, he got a really sweet opportunity to do some consulting work in Tampa. 
So while we were on vacation, we booked a trip to Tampa. We literally flew in, washed our clothes, and got back on the plane like in less than 12 hours. So this week, I've been a hotel housewife <laughs> and just kind of <laughs> hanging out and doing my thing. It in Tampa. And it really works out because my tech guy's in Tampa. So every day after work, he's been coming over and we've been working on the program and this and that and the other while my husband goes and does his consulting thing. So, you know, I can just go from one vacation to the next vacation. When we get home, we're flying out tonight to go back home to do laundry again. He's going to South Dakota to go hunting and I'm going to Knoxville to just go hang out with my mom. So I'm not home alone. So how are you able to do this? How are you able to afford this lifestyle? Like, this is fascinating stuff. Like, where's your nine to five job? How are you, you know, how are you sustaining yourself? That's amazing. Well, I've got the 19 houses and 19 apartments that pay me. And if they average 300 bucks a month, I'm, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 a month. And right now I've got two houses available and people are offering me 10 or 15,000 to move in and then paying me this house. I've got it at $400 over my mortgage payment every month. So money happens (laughs) on those 19 houses. How much time would you say a month do you spend just kind of catering to that business? When I started and all the experienced investors were talking about, it takes two or three hours a week to, you know, float your investing. I was like, yeah, right. Whatever. Well, three years later, it takes less than two hours a week just to check in and make sure that everything's going. Okay. Wow. But for those first two years, I worked my tail off, like no kidding, no joke, like morning, noon and night, I was on the phone. I was talking to sellers. I was talking to tenant buyers. I was juggling 18 different things at a time, but it only took two years. A lot of people will work 40 years halfway and not get where I got in two years. And I love working. Like, I'm a really great worker. If I had gotten started at anything, I would have been successful. I'm just like, I love working. And I loved thriving on making the deals happen and the negotiating and the back and forth and getting new leads and marketing. And like, I loved it. But I really love being able to just take a week to go to Tampa and still make 10 grand. (laughs) We recommend only the best books on this show. With that being said, we can understand the urge to read the last book you've heard an entrepreneur get excited about. Well, guess what? You can go read it right now. We've partnered with Audible, an Amazon company that produces high-quality audiobooks. Together, we are offering, and for free, a 30-day trial and one free book as soon as you sign up. So, if you've been eyeing a certain book but haven't quite been able to pull the trigger yet, we'd love to cover the cost for you. Just visit audibletrial.com slash before the millions to start reading or listening to your next free book. The link is also in the show notes of this episode at beforethemillions.com. The best real estate investing advice ever show is literally the only daily podcast that I subscribe to. And now I'm prescribing for you. The world's longest running daily real estate podcast. That's unprecedented. Visit joefearless.com slash show for the back catalog. Enjoy. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Miracle in the Mountains. And it's about a lady named Martha Berry. She started just teaching little mountain kids how to read and write and sing Bible songs. And she grew it into Berry College, which is amazing and beautiful. And it's in Rome, Georgia. And today, 
They are the largest land campus in the world. There is not a university or college that has more land than Barry College in the world. And so she accidentally became a real estate investor because during the depression, she bought up all the farms that connected to her little farm. And she was awesome. She hung out with some really big players in like the early 1900s, but she never hit any of the history books. She always flew under the radar. Even today, she still flies under the radar. And I absolutely adore her. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Miracle in the Mountains. Miracle in the Mountains. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or a tool. Facebook. I have a ton of fun on Facebook. I'm super mouthy on Facebook. I love being on Facebook. I pretty much live in Facebook land. Amazing. Love it. Love it. Love it. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I have freedom, time freedom. If I want to wake up at nine, I can. If I want to wake up at six, I can. If I want to take a nap in the middle of the day, I can. If I want to go to Tampa because my husband got a really cool gig, I can. I've got time freedom to do whatever I want. If I want to go buy a house, I can. If I want to go to a conference, if I want to do a podcast, like there's so many things. Once you get your cash flow up to where you can live comfortably and see that it's going to keep going because that's the problem. People put all their money into a 401k or a savings account. But then when you, if you have a hundred thousand in a 401k or a savings account, you take 10,000 out. Well, now you got 90. I would rather teach people how to create 10,000 a month ever flowing like a river. Because oh. then if you spend 10, you get 10 again in like three weeks. Yes, yes, yes. That is the key. I love it. I love it. I love it. Most perfect this answer, if that's a word. <laughs> 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 okay. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? My friends, my friends were not on track to become a millionaire. They were on track to save money and buy a house and have babies and be suburban. And I don't have any friends that I started with. And it was sad to lose those friends. But, you know, I even have friends now that I got into real estate. I begged them to go to conferences with me to learn about real estate. And they didn't. And a year later, their parents called me and said, hey, you know, so-and-so doesn't really care about these houses that we've been buying. We got 14. Do you want them? Wow. I bought my friend's inheritance. Wow. One at a time. That is crazy. That is crazy. You know, you have to you have to surround yourself with people who are doing exactly what you are doing or looking to do. And I think that's the best way to grow. I mean, I completely immersed myself. I mean, for a weekend or a week, every single month, my tail was in Jacksonville, Florida at class. And I was learning and I was absorbing as much as I can. And I was active and I was taking action, even though I didn't know what the next step was. I was just going with it'll work out or I'll figure it out along the way. And I had to really check my pride several times. And, you know, I was 28, 29, and I thought I knew everything. And it turned out I didn't. I still don't know everything. <laughs> but I figured out a lot of really cool things that are helping other people get to where they want to be. Amazing. Amazing. That's what it's about, you know, helping as you climb, you know, lift others up with you and, and the, the journey will be that much more sweeter. So amazing stuff. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? My mom. Absolutely. My mom. My mom is an instigator. I'll be like, hey, what do you think about doing that? She's like, yeah, go do it. <laughs> yeah, girl, go get that. Yeah, you can do that. And then I'll talk to her and be like, I did this. And she's like, I have no idea what you just said. 
She has no idea to this day how I buy houses and how I have more than her. She's been investing since 1978 and I have more houses than she does in three years. Amazing. I have more passive income than she does. She's like, I don't know. Okay. She needs to take a play out of your playbook. (laughs) (laughs) She's got seven LLCs of her own. She's, She's a busy woman. Yep, I can understand that. Okay, so last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? It's scary to be successful. And I think a lot of people, they want to be successful, but then they don't want to lose their friendships that they've had since kindergarten. They don't want to skip Tuesday night trivia to go talk to sellers. They want to stay comfortable. They want to talk about being a millionaire or having passive cash flow or, you know, all these great things. They like the idea of it. And when it starts to come true and they realize the power that they have inside of themselves, it scares them into going back to being comfortable. And that in itself is what I live for. (laughs) (laughs) I love that feeling. And a lot of people though, they get to that feeling and they're like, okay, 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 I can't do it. And they stop themselves. Seller didn't say anything, attorney didn't have anything, buyers were ready, everything was good. They stopped themselves. Wow. And that's a that's a mindset thing. Definitely. I love that. Well, Whitney, this has been amazing. This has been spectacular. Thank you for walking us through your before the million story from couches to dump trucks and now real estate, lease options. This is all amazing stuff. And you've been able to achieve a certain lifestyle that not many of us are privy to. So thank you for sharing that experience with us. And I've taken a lot from our conversation and I know our listeners have as well. If the listeners want to reach out to you and learn a little bit more more about you or maybe connect with you somehow, where where can they find you? They can go to WhitneyNicely.com. Whitney like Houston, nicely like nicely done. And there's a link to my Facebook group. You can send me an email. We can book a call. I'm very chatty. I love to talk about real estate. (laughs) And you do have a coaching program, right? I do. I've got a self-study program. I've got a mastermind and a one-on-one. Amazing. Amazing. So everybody definitely take a look at Whitney stuff. I'm sure it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. And again, thank you for being on the show. Apparently I'll see you in Knoxville. I'm so excited to get your ticket. Yeah. Thanks to Ray. (laughs) Whitney, again, this has been amazing and we'll talk soon.